Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Marlin's Corner 2022, our first episode. Uh, thank you all for tuning back in with us. We know it's a little wild, a little crazy, but we appreciate you listening on in. Now, it's important to know that when we wrapped for 2021, uh, we wrapped before we saw a couple of uh, awesome things come through. I mean, some awesome, some not so great. So let's just talk about those right about now. Now, let's look back. Let's turn back that clock to the eve of 2022. Uh, let's focus on two titles, uh, Matrix Resurrection and Don't Look Up. We'll start with The Matrix. Now, The Matrix is a property that a lot of you may know. A, a lot of you may have been uh, like myself, uh, an old head back in the day. You maybe even saw it in the theaters. Maybe even got the VHS tapes. Maybe even got the DVDs. Uh, this was a trilogy that came out uh, by the Wachowskis that was fantastic. Um, now, I'm applying fantastic mostly to the first movie, uh, a little bit so for the second and not so much for the third, but it was a film franchise that changed the way that uh, we view uh, just awesome sci-fi films, awesome futuristic films, uh, dystopias. Uh, it really added an awesome layer of psychology to things, questioning your surroundings. Are we in a simulation? Could a simulation be possible? At what point could technology uh, uh, pretty much bypass humanity and be the ruling party? Uh, we even got a bunch of awesome spinoffs. We got the Animatrix. We got the Matrix uh graphic novels we just it just inspired so many other medias and it just was just so awesome to be a part of that coming up uh and it had a special place and still does in the hearts of uh fans everywhere i mean i remember there being college courses that were just all about red pill or the blue pill and the psychology around both of those and whether or not they were both placebos and is you know choice really something that people have is choice for most people is choice not for others it just was a fun quandary to think about and pay 800 bucks for a course credit uh but let's focus more so on this not sequel kind of reboot brought to you by Warner Brothers, uh, the same studio that gave us the DCEU in its current state, still wobbly at the knees like a newborn gazelle. It also gave us uh, Space Jam 2, which uh, again is a little eh. Like, I, I know that us over at Geek Force, we definitely uh, view those the powers that be at Warner Brothers as uh, individuals you want to keep as far away from your property as possible. And unfortunately, with the Matrix Resurrection, you can see that the resurrection part was mostly uh, something that the suits uh, were definitely all about. I can already picture them being like, yeah, we know that they were three films. Yeah, we know y'all ended it, but let's get these shovels out and just dig up this IP for one last ride. Um, now, in this film, the director uh, going in solo is Lana Wachowski. Uh, and at first, people were wondering, why is it just one? Like, what's going on? What's the underlying uh, issues here? Uh, and the film honestly just gives it to you uh, on a silver platter of like, hey, here's what's happening. And just so you know, uh, this is definitely going to be spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen this film, don't. Uh, but hey, you know, do what you want to do. But we see early on in this film that Lana's like, hey, 
I'm going to call these uh, higher being robots, the suits, uh, as a stand in for Warner Bros. So we get uh, Neo is back in the Matrix. He's involved in it. They've done something to his memory to where he just believes that he is a, a video game designer. He designed the Matrix and it's based off of this game he created to kind of keep him somewhat close to the real truth, but also keep him buried in the Matrix. But in the film, uh, he comes to his boss's office and his boss basically gives him a spiel of like, hey, we need to reboot the Matrix. We need you to make another one. And he's kind of like, why? And he's basically told uh, in very clear-cut words, uh, this is either happening with or without you. And in this scene, this is very clear uh, that the Wachowskis are in Neo's place and Warner Bros. is like, we can do this film, Matrix, with or without you. And you can clearly see that Lana's here to mitigate the damage as much as possible and... It kind of is okay, but if you're a fan of The Matrix, you're going to be disappointed. Um, it's nowhere near as uh, entertaining as the originals, which, again, I know that a lot of people definitely are kind of like, hey, just because you liked it in the past doesn't mean you're going to like it now. But what I think is the most um, drawbackishness of this film is that it does it bends over backwards to give you samples and screen cuts of the original film it really is trying to touch the audience by saying hey do you remember this much better film well hey this film is gonna talk about that film and it's not gonna be it but we're gonna talk about it uh and it's just a film that just really rings hollow like it's just really disappointing we do get a bunch of amazing other just back lore that quite honestly should have been the focus of this like i love that we got keanu reeves back in the game but we could have done a matrix property that focused more so on what happened after he died um, because we get a kind of brief window into them we get a chance to see that um those on the nebuchadnezzar uh after that you know initial battle when like all the robots kind of disappear a chance to start over and fresh because the robots are having their own robot civil war they're going ham over uh who's gonna have the moral control over the next bout of the matrix and so they go to war you have red lasers versus the blue lasers you kind of can already tell who's the good and the bad robots uh, and ultimately um at the end of that war the robots that happen to survive and escape link up with uh, those over in Zion and they create a whole new utopia called IO. Um, you drop the Z in the end, you got IO. And of course, it's binary, uh, like robots speaking code. And of course, binary because it's the Matrix, red and blue. A lot of double entendres there. But it's it's an interesting story that we probably could have been, should have been able to see. We hear that there's been a purge and that there's been other programs that were removed. And there's just so many other cool back lore that we hear about that we don't really directly get a chance to see that probably could have been the focus of this film. But I digress. Um, in this film, we have Neo and ultimately there's Pete only has one linear path in this movie. It's a very A to B to C type movie. There aren't a lot of threads like you see in other Matrix film of like, I got to get to the Oracle, but I also have to avoid Agent Smith. And also there's this whole other thing happening on Zion. Like there isn't that level of creativity with this film. It's very much of like, I want this, I do that. 
I do that. Um, it's less of a hero's journey and more of a grocery list. Uh, they rescue Neo from the Matrix again. Uh, and he realizes that Trinity is back there. And you realize that the robots use nanites in a very, like, Mass Effect 2 way of, like, piecing together their bodies and getting them back into the Matrix because they're the best battery for the Matrix because they keep it balanced and whatnot. Uh, and so his whole... So Neil's whole thing is he just wants to get back with Trinity. And mind you, there are other characters in this film, and they're all like, cool, you want to get Trinity... We'll stop what we're doing to just help you with that. Uh, because literally there's nothing else going on. The people of IO are growing strawberries. Uh, they're chilling. There really isn't much need from them to do anything else. You, of course, have these young folks who are like, oh, Neo is our hero, so we're going to drop whatever we're doing to help him. Uh, and you, honestly, we, we, we kind of believe that, oh, these are young people. They're brash. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to get hurt. Um, but... This, quite frankly, the one Matrix property I've seen where those that go into the Matrix, all of them come back and none of them die, which is super surprising. Because if you watch the Matrix, you know that whenever people dive into the Matrix, there's like a 50-50 shot someone is going to die in the Matrix. In this one, no one dies. Because in this one, no one has aim at all. Like, it is Stormtrooper level of aim. There are, there are times when the machines have guns they are directly five feet in front of someone. They let off the gun and every single bullet is just missing people. And it's really bad. Like a couple of times it could happen, which again, like in the first matrix, it happens a lot because they move faster because they're more strong, you know, because they are able to tap into the powers they might have. But this isn't even slow-mo anymore. This is them just running and just like ducking out of the way. And it happens a lot to where it's kind of like, great, is anyone going to get hurt? Is anyone going to die in this film? It seems like the stakes are really low. Like, everyone is going to be a-okay. Uh, we also get scenes where there's hand-to-hand -hand combat that's really lackluster um, compared to the original movies where there is a really awesome choreographed fighting between Neo and Agent Smith. And this one kind of is terrible. It's really slow. It looks like pat cake There's a lot of cuts in between them, so you don't get a chance to see them fight in a straightway fight. Um, and they kind of more or less nerf Neo. They don't really give him any more powers. He gets no guns. He just has his force push and his very slow punching. Mind you, Keanu Reeves has done John Wick films. He's done films and John Wick that involves him having guns and fighting hand-to-hand -hand combat. So it isn't like he is unknown when those skills he has those skills and if someone's going to step up and be an awesome coordinator he can definitely show that and this one they just really that just didn't translate we don't see him with a gun and we don't see him do very much fighting he's really bad at it uh and it looks really slow uh, it just really was just a film that was there to make money and you can see that that the uh studio warner bros was probably happy with the turnout they made some money uh but at what cost you know and that cost was at the honor of the ip and the honor of the fan base and we all know that reboots are becoming a huge thing in hollywood where there just really isn't a lot of creativity uh or you have directors who make some oscar bait and then get mad when no one sees the Oscar bait. So it just was a very interesting time in cinema where uh, there are folks who are really all about just really entertaining properties and really entertaining ideas. And that takes us to Don't Look Up.
Don't Look Up uh, is an amazing film because it adds uh, what we all know to be true in this world. And it just adds like a sprinkle, like literally a sprinkle of some random fantasy idea. Like the movie is there to remind you that the world is bleak and that things are nearly improbable of changing. Like it's just, it's there to lay it out for you. It's, it, 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 honestly, if you've seen Netflix's uh, Death to 2020, uh, it it's like that plus Vice, where they give you the real, which is what's going on in the world, and they give you some like some bit of fiction, but it's more so uh, given to you in a way that like, hey, I can see this happening because literally I look outside and that's kind of what's happening. To give you kind of the, the full anti, it, it's based, um, uh, it's based on our world. It's, it's about, it takes biased media perspective, takes biased politician, uh, and it presents them with a very, uh, with a, a very easy cause, quite honestly. And it's very reminiscent to a cause we have now. And that cause is like, Hey, there's a meteor coming and we have to stop. That's the cause. And quite honestly, we've seen this kind of similar plot with Armageddon. We're like, hey, there's a meteor coming and we see these uh, oil drillers. They step up and they get rid of that meteor to save the planet. Movie over, you know, and you play. I don't want to close my eyes. I'll stop right there. But that's what we see with Armageddon. In this film, they decide to take out almost all the fantasy except for the meteor. And they just give us uh, what the most plausible result would be. And that's that politics get involved. Capitalism gets involved and good old fashioned patriotism gets involved. And the result is that people die. And it's extremely bleak, but it's really accurate. We know that as soon as you like take uh, something like a meteor or a virus uh, and you politicize it, it creates this schism particularly in our country, where there are folks who are like, great, I think this, and folks who are like, no, you're wrong, I think that. Uh, you also add in capitalism, where it's like, great, this meteor could be an awesome chance for us to mine it for minerals, and so let's just keep it uh, on course and not course corrected until we've effectively drilled it, and then patriotism is like, great, we're going to be the first ones to get to this meteor, and if anyone else tries to get there, we're going to go to war. And this film, just, it just takes all those concepts and puts a bow on it and just gives it to you. And you just sit there and you kind of watch, you laugh, you chuckle, and you kind of sit in silence and you're kind of like, oh my God, like this is kind of realistic. This could probably happen. You know, we see J-Law and we see Leonardo DiCaprio who are playing scientists who are telling the world that a meteor is coming. It's a planet killer. And we see that Meryl Streep as president and Jonah Hill as uh, her her son are just out there to win another election and are out there to spread misinformation because it doesn't help their bottom line. And we also see big tech come in there and big tech wants a piece of the coin. And we're able to see that politicians are tied to that are tied to their donors are willing to do whatever they can to appease those donors, to appease those people who give them money. And we just are just able to watch it all play out and all it's just disgusting glory. And for a second, you almost forget that, Oh, that 
I can give you a prime example of that happening right now. Like, great. Like, we have the coronavirus is coming through, but it's like, mm, am I going to get reelected with this? Like, is it worth me, you know, closing down the country now and risking reelection or should I wait for this virus to get really bad and then do something about it? Like, that was our meteor where people were like, hey, there's a virus. We should probably close the border. And then it became a political thing of like, well, you know, as a Republican, I don't think we should. And then it became, well, as a Democrat, I think we should. And then it just fully spiraled from there. And pretty much our meteor hit, people are dying. And um, Don't Look Up is just scarily accurate. So if you want a chance to sit there and watch a film and like maybe talk to a friend, because if you watch it alone, you're going to just spiral into an abyss. Check out Don't Look Up. I did. I spent maybe, I've been talking to Everyone I've I've been ta- I, I've been around I'm like have you seen it? It's wild. Uh, it, it'll take you down a corridor. And it, it makes honestly it it makes me happy that I'm recording on the sixth of January, aka Insurrection Day, because literally it's like a prime example of just how um, how big of an influence uh, on our entire way of living uh, that this uh, schism has done to our country, where. Had we been more upfront with this virus, we might have been able to be outside more. Maybe we would have be safer. And then from that initial schism, we got the other schism of people who voted and then them believing that their votes weren't counted and them showing up on the Capitol to lynch people. Quite honestly, Don't Look Up is a window into our future uh, and it is a dark, dark result. So definitely give it a view. Uh, talk to your friends about it because it is a trip, y'all. Um, and looking back, we also got a chance to see that 2021, you know, it just it really wanted to show you that it was a terrible year. It really wanted to drive home just how shitty it was. So what does it do? What's that icing? What's that cherry on top? Well, they decide to... Um, take our lovely and amazing Betty White, uh, who was so close to 100. Uh, Now, Betty White is uh, America's sweetheart. She was on the circuit. Homegirl was literally out there in movies, TV shows, uh, talk shows. uh, And she really was there to prove to us that being born in a different generation uh, is no longer an excuse. You know, she was someone who was so loving uh, and so kind to all, no matter what walk of life you're from. So definitely shout out to uh, our, our, our golden girl and the other golden girls. And hopefully they're in that afterlife, having a nice little party, eating some amazing uh, pie. And maybe Betty's going to bring some of her uh, Swedish dishes up there. But uh, shout out to Ms. Betty. We love and we're going to miss you. And uh, thank you, of course, for for being a friend. You know, appreciate this betting. And moving forward, looking to the future, looking to 2022. We know that Omarion is out here, you know, touching people with his virus. So Omicron is running wild. But what do we have to look forward to? Well, besides Marvel planning our lives for the next 40, 50 years with their films and their TV shows, uh, we also have a year of awesome video games. Now, 2021 had a couple of titles that were hot. It had a couple, y'all. Not a lot, just a couple. It was honestly a year where... The game of the year award just, it was kind of like, hey, any of these are all right? You know, it, it really didn't hit you as like, that's going to be the one. Like, it was it was an all right list. But 2022, y'all, 
2022, y'all? That's the year we're going to see uh, a really difficult uh, choice being made for Game of the Year. I mean, some of these titles are just uh, are, are just fat. like we've been waiting. Like, let's just cut the chase real quick. We got Horizon Forbidden West coming out by Gorilla, which if you played the first one, you know how awesome it was. You got the DLC. Fantastic, breathtaking. We've been waiting for the sequel for a minute. We got God of War Ragnarok, which is only going to be ending the Norse uh, sequel, which means they have more playing with other gods, which of course I am all for. Uh, we have Elden Ring because George R. Martin, you know, he needs more things to do besides writing the last two books of Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, we have Starfield. Now, of course, uh, Bethesda, y'all did us wrong with uh, that Fallout 64 nonsense. So hopefully Starfield's going to write this ship because, my God, y'all, uh, y'all, y'all let us down. We also have Marvel's Midnight Sun, which is that really awesome turn-based game. We got Gotham Knights with the gang. Oh, my goodness. I mean, we got Batgirl. We got Damian Wayne. We got our original Tim Drake, and we got other Robin. Like, we're, we're going to have an awesome time with that. And we got a Hogwarts Legacy from EA, which looks very similar to Dragon Age. Uh, and I'm excited for that. I mean, that game takes place in the 1800s, way before all the Harry Potter nonsense. So we get a chance to be a part of the Wizarding World before all that happens, before the rise of Voldemort. But we might even get a chance to see some Death Eaters. I don't know. But these are just some of the games that are coming out. And just with these titles alone, this is going to be a difficult year for Game of the Year. And there are more that are on this list. There are more that are there. I'm not going to name them all. It's just a bunch. So if you uh, haven't started saving money now, you should do so. Link up with your friend. Figure out who's getting what. Get those physical copies so you can swap. Because uh, this year, it is going to be an awesome time to be playing video games. And of course, with this uh, variant running around, we're going to be in the house regardless. So why not get a game that's going to like keep Keep it warm, keep it company, you know? You know, and speaking of the, and speaking of these games, it's also great to see that a number of these studios are, you know, making sure to say out loud these games will be released when they are ready. Which initially wouldn't be something that we would be championing, like, oh great, they can release it when it's ready. But after we've seen games like Cyberpunk drop where they just weren't ready. Uh, I feel like studios are now more or less aware of we need to name this to people because uh, shit might happen. We know that Cyberpunk is dealing with their investors suing them and other countries. And like, literally, it's like, that's disappointing. And like, CD Projekt Red, like, that was like Poland's like star. Like, they were like, when, 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 when Barack Obama went there, like he was given a copy uh, of The Witcher because they, that's how, that's how like tied in CD Projekt Red is to, to that country. So hopefully, you know, they make a comeback and hopefully other, and it's, it was sad to see it happen, but it was great to see the response with the other studios. Uh, of course, this is also, Definitely inspired by the fact that this game was set to make way more money than it was, you know, than it got. Uh, so investors are like, hey, so in order to prevent that, let's make sure that you actually release it when you know it's ready. So that was the silver lining of that whole fiasco. Uh, and also we see that there are studios like Riot Games who are pretty much going to be paying $100 million in that lawsuit. Uh, we, we know that. Blizzard Activision is also playing some money as well. Uh, we're seeing a whole lot of changes in the gaming uh, 
gaming world. And I'm hoping so for the positive. I'm hoping we see more of this. We see more of these changes that um, really acknowledge the humanity that these devs have. Like they're people. They deserve to work in an environment where they're free from being harassed or being treated inappropriately. So I'm hoping that in 2022, we see that. We see them get the just do they deserve, you know, sending hopes and loves to the, all of them because y'all, we're never going to be inside the house for a while. So definitely, you know, send them your love, like, and comment. Uh, <laughs> the trailers when they come out to really show them we appreciate them uh, because, hey, we're going to need them as we're in probably another stage of lockdown, depending on what happened with this Omari on there, you know? And, uh, you know, and also I want to give a shout out to my team. You know, we are also going to be on here uh, doing resolutions. You know, one of, our, one of our resolutions is to step forward with our website and get that set up. And we've gotten really close to getting it ready for y'all. So we're excited to put that out there from Geek Force. I know that um, my producer and I are working on my Patreon page so we can send that out. So definitely look out for that. So we are really looking forward to just taking ourselves to the next level. And even like, you know, with things that are personal, I know that I love doing resolutions and typically I hit them. So this year and like in 2020, 2021, you know, I definitely fell off my resolutions because we were inside a lot more. But for 2022, I redid my resolution chart and I'm prepared to, you know, knock it out the park, making sure that we are on top of, you know, our our schedule for this podcast, making sure I'm on top of my schedule for work, making sure I'm exercising, making sure I'm eating less out, you know, getting less fast food, making sure I'm practicing my guitar, you know, really wanting to get on that, you know, Eric Clapton level, who knows, you know? Uh, and what I'm really excited about is one of those big goals I have for myself is really reaching out into the podcasting community uh, and just like finding awesome people to meet, uh, which leads me to an awesome surprise. Um, if you stick around at the end of the podcast today, there's going to be an awesome, dope, dope trailer uh, for a really awesome podcast that I'm listening to. It's really exciting. Uh, it's D&D based and I love D&D. It's been my passion for about six years now. I even got a like a... a they even have like a D20 on my arm. I've been playing a religiously with my friends every, uh, like every weekend now. We've been playing a campaign that we're looking forward to. We're all level 11. We're going to 20. And in the meantime, I'm running my campaign because your boy's on deck for the next one. So, uh, D and D is something that I love a lot. And we have an awesome, um, really cool promo swap going on with the amazing, uh, crew over at the fire breathing kitten uh so wait for the end of the podcast to catch that trailer and definitely give them a like and a follow because i guarantee you will be entertained uh and in closing before we wrap up today i want to give a shout out to my producer aiming for holding me accountable uh things have been definitely crazy in this whole new world of podcasting so she's been great at keeping me on track of my deadlines as well as just reminding me to like really make sure that I'm reaching out and like, you know, spreading my wings and flying on this whole analytical podcasting thing. Um, and I want to appreciate you all. I know I did it last year for the year wrap, but I'm doing it on the year coming in. We appreciate you for listening to this podcast. We appreciate you for sharing it uh, to your friends, your loved ones. And we appreciate you for going on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And giving us a rating. Let folks know to listen. Give us that rating. Give us that five stars. The more you like, the more our our influence grows. Uh, as we look forward to the future, I will be coming back on here giving you uh, more of our uh, reviews of movies and TV shows. Maybe even bringing in some awesome 
guests to do so. Uh, and I do it all for you all and also a tiny bit for myself, but mostly for you. Uh, but with that being said, folks, thank you for tuning in today on this podcast with me and my corner. I appreciate you all. And we'll see you next time on Marlon's Corner. Bye. Are you itching for a good story? Laughter among friends, maybe even a mystery or two? Well, you're in luck. Fire Breathing Kittens is a standalone Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Each episode is a separate three-hour-long story, like a movie for your ears. So you can listen to these adventures in any order you like. So join us on a real play D&D quest as we solve mysteries, attempt comedic banter, and enjoy friendship. Fire Breathing Kittens podcast. Fantasy action mystery friendship. of Marlin's Corner was produced in Richmond, California.